It's Monday, it's nine o'clock, it's time for this. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling! We got all game four! Stay cool, man, we got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, stood in for the score. Touchdown! Yeah! Yes, welcome in everybody. We are back once again with your weekly NFL podcast from the gang here at the Full 10 Yards. Here to review everything, not just week nine, but as we're halfway through the season, a few special segments thrown in this week to discuss where we are at the midway stage of the campaign. And you'll see on your screens, we are joined by an extra man in the huddle. We'll get to Kieran shortly, but first of all, let's welcome the regular boys in. Lawrence, how are you this evening, my friend? Fantastic. Um, just got to start with a with a little bit of um... a bit of trolling. You trolling? A bit of trolling on the Dallas Cowboys. So um, I don't know if anyone saw. I put up a poll last night on my um, on my Twitter account to ask who is the best Gilbert. So we had Rod Gilbert, the Welsh comedian. We had Gilbert Gottfried, the American comedian, with that horrible voice we had mr gilbert from the in-betweeners so it's a bit of an in-joke if you're not a fan of the in-betweeners and obviously mr garrett gilbert um and the winner drum roll was mr gilbert from the in-betweeners with 60 percent of the vote i tell you what i was going to actually add the the snot-nosed gilbert this is like this rubber alien character but i guess all three of you guys are too young to even remember gilbert so you'll have to google him one day but i just wanted to to know what you thought tim about um garrett gilbert becoming third in the poll behind rod gilbert and mr gilbert well, I suppose that's a higher finishing position the Cowboys are probably going to get this season. So I'm, I'm surprised actually you didn't put a, the, the the rugby ball Gilbert in there as well. That would be, uh, be interesting to see how many votes that got, considering it's a different it's a different size ball and it's a different sport. But, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> we'll get on to Garrett Gilbert share a little bit later. And he actually performed quite well, but we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Tim's obviously already been welcomed into this evening's proceedings by Lawrence there. So let's bring in the fourth man in the huddle. You'll have heard him and all his good work that he does with the boys over in the college side of things. You'll have heard him also in Kieran's corner, previewing the NFL as we get set for the weekend's action. Kieran, welcome in, mate. How are you? I am depressed. I'm a Patriots and an LSU fan. So uh, this is very much needed over the coming weeks. We, uh, we're not doing well in college or the pros, so, but thanks for having me on, guys. Absolute pleasure, mate. Hopefully we can turn your mood around, mate, through the next hour, hour and a half. I'm sure we will. Plenty to get our teeth into, as always. As we are live these days, as always, chat along with us, get your comments in, any questions, etc., etc. We'll share them throughout the course of the evening. But we're going to start, boys, looking back first and foremost at Week 9 and the first game that was on Sky Sports for us yesterday. It served up a bit of a beauty, didn't it? Seattle at Buffalo, high-scoring affair. Tim, take us through, mate. Yeah, it was, it was a really good game. Uh, although, in, in terms of contest, I, I suppose it always kind of felt like a contest. But in, in my mind, it, it wasn't really. Um, it's, it's the first time we've obviously seen Russell Wilson uh, not being able to, to carry the team on his back, and it, and it just goes to show that you know if he's if he's not ninety nine percent, 
Um, you know, if he's if he's any less than 100 percent on top of his game, then the, the set of defense is, is, is definitely not going to bail him out. Um, but yeah, a couple, couple of fumbles, obviously, a couple of interceptions um, on a pretty pretty much uh, unblemished record, I suppose, so far uh, this season for for us. Was obviously um, did did his uh, MVP credentials quite a bit of harm. It's probably lucky that he wasn't a bit further on in the season, otherwise, quite probably stick in the mind a bit more than uh, than it would do, obviously, week nine. Um, but you know, they on, on offense they they matched each other blow for blow in terms of like yardage. Uh, literally, only one one paltry yard was the difference in terms of offensive yardage. Four hundred twenty, I think, to uh, to Buffalo four nineteen to, to Seattle. But um, again, if you if you are going to turn over the ball four times, it's going to be very hard to win to win games, and that's obviously the difference in in this one. Um, but one thing I did like from this game was Josh Allen's uh, decision-making uh, and Brian Dable's uh, offensive game plan. I thought it worked really well. They Allen and the, and the offense executed it. Um, eight, eight different receivers caught a ball. Um, quite a few people that not many people had in their fantasy lineups uh, caught touchdowns, uh, which is always uh, frustrating for, for people watching Red Zone. Um, yeah, on the other side, Russell Wilson just tended to do a lot of running around. And for, for a Buffalo defence that's not really pulled up too many trees so far this season, um, Russell Wilson must have been surprised how much they were in his face, uh, had some opportunistic, say, fumbles and, and interceptions that kind of turned the game. Uh, and they say the damage was pretty much done after the first quarter where Buffalo scored, uh, had three possessions, scored two touchdowns while field goal uh, and then um, Seattle went punt and inception so that, that kind of put them behind the eight ball and you know once you, if you've got a defense like Seattle have got it's going to be hard for you to get back into games you know I've watched it many a time with with Dallas you know no matter what Dak tried to pull out of the pull out of the hat more than more than a rabbit on most occasions if you haven't got a defense that can't even make a stop you have literally no chance when you when you get behind um so you know despite Russell Wilson's best efforts and I think they got to within the touchdown at some point um really didn't have much chance in, in this one and uh, uh, Buffalo like I mentioned uh, on Twitter and on the podcast and the better podcast on, on Saturday it's a really you know the antidote or the perfect tonic for a stuttering Bills uh, offense was a Seattle defense and got the job done at home yeah absolutely we're going to talk probably plenty Josh Allen a little bit later on he'll pop up again throughout the podcast so probably just have a quick look fellas at the Seattle defense that was also in one of our polls that we'll get to later it, it didn't win the poll that it was in earlier um, you would argue possibly surprisingly considering just historically how bad this defense actually is but Lawrence we talked about it a few weeks ago that they were struggling to generate any sort of a pass rush it seems that they have got more of a threat in that department there but it's also at a sacrifice for even worse coverage on the back end they seem to get a little bit of pressure at times yesterday. Carlos Dunlap does seem to have made a bit of a difference. But if anything, it's just left more gaping holes, hasn't it, in that secondary? Yeah, it's, it's, this, is, this is unfortunate because Russell Wilson is playing at an, at an absolute premier level and he is just being let down. He cannot kind of do everything at all times. He's got to have a break and that defence is just atrocious it's forcing him back onto the field quicker it's not you know they're, they're just yeah they're, there's big big troubles there and i think that the trading deadline's gone now isn't it so they can't they don't think they can bring anybody in it's a case they've they've just got to they've got to coach them better and you know at the moment they are a liability and as i said last week this is a case that you know they'll go as far as Russell Wilson will take them, but that defense is not going to take them anywhere in the playoffs. 
So unless something drastic happens, they are in big trouble when it comes into the postseason. Not the, not the perfect yeah. celebration for Pete Carroll. Obviously, he signed a multi-million, multi-million, multi-year deal contract extension head coach as well. So, being just in, uh, I'm not, I'm not for one instance uh, recommending that, that he takes it back, takes it back, rips it up. But uh, yeah, <laughs> obviously not, not not the way he wanted to celebrate. Yeah, and no need to correct yourself, mate. It will be multiple millions. There's no doubt about that. He hasn't signed on for for pennies and dimes, as he let's be honest. He's going to be getting nicely paid. Uh, Kieran, just in terms of what we've said there about the Seattle defence and the fact that we don't think that's going to take it very far in the playoffs, I think even though they obviously got a win here, same questions really can be asked in Buffalo, can't they? Obviously a huge win in the division to move them to, you know, seven and two now on the season and they've needed a statement performance offensively after stuttering over the past few weeks but there's, there's still question marks isn't there from that defensive side of the ball also yeah we knew Trey White coming back was going to be a big difference maker I, I, I think that that's really helped their second day Trey White is arguably the best corner in football right now but make no mistake he is I mean he's he's playing better than Gilmore uh, coming back off an injury, which is, is saying a lot. And Jordan Poirier as well. You, you see when I go into Kieran's corner, I say this defense is a lot stronger than the offense. And that's really saying something given the offense Buffalo have got this year. Uh, I Look, I in Kieran's corner, I took Seahawks by three points. But the only reason was past few weeks we'd seen the Bills defense the Bills offense sorry sort of slow down and I know the Seattle defense is bad but I thought just because of the sort of slowdown they get with their um, offense that they may not capitalize on a lot of chances but all credit to Buffalo they went out there and this is probably the signature win of the season for them Seattle despite their defense are still one of the top teams in the NFC and I've still got them probably go into the NFC Championship game despite the defensive troubles. But, you know, Bills now, this is just it for me. Josh Allen has had a signature performance that I really put think puts him ahead of Russell Wilson in terms of MVP voting. I said this in my latest article about Josh Allen. I'm fully prepared to get an Eli Manning as a Hall of Famer tattoo if uh, Josh Allen doesn't have an MVP or a Super Bowl ring within five years. And I fully stand by that statement. He has developed mechanically... If you notice a lot this year, he's a lot more accurate and it's because mechanically he has improved. He used to, when he throw, would do this weird sort of front, uh, hop step on his front leg and not get it planted correctly. And he sort of stamped that out this year. And you watch, he's a lot more confident in the pocket as well. So, yeah, like I said, signature performance for Buffalo and a very, very important win for them if they want to like put their stamp on the AFC as one of the, the top contenders for the Super Bowl this year. Uh, yeah, no. I that's, that's the hot. That's the hot take on Josh Allen being ahead uh, of uh, Russell Wilson for MVP. Uh, there, there's a there's a wager in there somewhere. I, I I will guarantee Russell Wilson has more MVP votes than than Josh Allen come the end of the season. I think I think uh, the no, point was whether he should though, wasn't it? I think that that's the that's the debate, isn't it? And it's often a team vote, isn't it? Let's be honest. Your team has to be performing well, and I think you know. I think it was summed up right at the start, wasn't it? When we said. How far can Russell Wilson put this team on his back and actually carry them? And ultimately, um, you know, he'll be judged essentially by how far the Seahawks do end up going. It will be interesting as we get towards the the postseason. Um, you know, obviously those those votes will start coming in. 
And like you said, people will remember what happened in the in the early weeks, but it's really what happens in these next few weeks that will separate the, the pretenders from the contenders, isn't it, when it comes to MVP voting? Let's move on then, boys, to another game that Kieran featured in his preview on the weekend, and that, of course, is the Chicago Bears and the Tennessee Titans, two teams that started off the season on fire. Both were carrying two-game skids coming into this one. It was an important game for both of them, uh, but obviously Lawrence, Tennessee, got the win. Talk us through it, buddy. Yeah, I mean, this is not exactly one that you're going to be sending to the Smithsonian for people to look at in future years as the personification of professional football but for the Titans fans it's going to be a welcome win after a slightly unnerving two-game losing streak. Things were pretty bad heading into the second quarter. It took the Bears and former Browns bust linebacker Barkevius Mingo and his Hall of Fame name to ignite the game <laughs> with a converted punt and then prior to that there have been three combined first downs so it was a pretty pretty heavy slog um, in the early part of the game. And then that that piece of athletic magnificence by Mingo must have woken up the Titans' offence. He'd spent 25 minutes pretty much twiddling their heavy tape fingers. Third and two at the Bears' 40. Tannehill lost an absolute beauty into double coverage for a kind of on-running A.J. Brown comes up with the ball and pretty much kind of falls the extra 10 yards into the end zone. Beautiful catch, beautiful touchdown. And, you know, that turned into a 10-0 lead. And then I actually think AJ Brown is a, is a fan. And I don't know if you guys have heard of these fingerlings. Have you ever heard of a fingerling? And no, it's not a sex toy. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard of a fingerling. <laughs> they're innocent. You can buy I, them in I, toys. And not, and not the sex toy version in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, kind of, they kind of cling on to things. And I kind of thought AJ Brown looked a bit like a fingerling when he was clinging on to the, the, the foam around the goalposts. So I thought that was quite an entertaining kind of touchdown celebration instead of a dance. Um, and then... Kind of, we move into the second half. Nick Foles is still looking rattled, and it got worse when a you know diddly little screen pass to David Montgomery was fumbled, and then last week's signing that we talked about, Desmond King, picked up the ball, ran back sixty-five yards for a touchdown, giving the Titans a seventeen-point lead. And and for King, he's an excellent kick returner, so he was only really doing his job. So well done, Desmond, on that on that return. Having failed to muster a point and almost getting intercepted in the red zone with about 12 minutes left, I can absolutely forgive Bears fans for just kind of giving up or changing the channel. And then when Johnny Smith scored the, the Titans touchdown um, from Tannehill, looked absolutely dead. But there is something weird about Nick Foles. There's some sort of mystical quality that he has. And with, with just over five minutes left, he finds backup Ryan Null, for a touchdown, nor wouldn't even been playing if David Montgomery hadn't hadn't have been a bit um, nicked up. And then one minute left, throws a touchdown to Jimmy Graham, and it's a seven point game. Considering where it where it was at one point, you know, twenty four three, down to a seven point game with one minute left, um, you're thinking, oh my god, is, is Foles going to mount another comeback? But unfortunately, that was absolutely killed stone dead when Amani Hooker of the Titans recovered the onside kick. So a win for the Titans and a three-game losing streak for the Bears. A few little notes on this one. 
Tannehill, who's normally renowned for being incredibly accurate, completed just 47% of his passes, did manage two touchdowns, but only 10 completions on the game. Derek Henry failed to score a touchdown for the first time since week two. Um, Henry still yet to cough up the ball, which is pretty impressive considering his workload. And he's now second in the NFL in rushing, but he's still within a chance of getting a second rushing crown in a row. Khalil Mack of the Bears was held without a sack for the first time since week four. And the Bears, obviously, that that five and one start that everyone scoffed at, they were absolutely right to scoff at it because it was it was the most artificial five and one start by a team ever. Um, and then I've just got one little observation, which I can't kind of shake. It's just a weird one for someone who's followed the game for so long and was kind of given the sport when it was Bear Mania back in 1985-86. And it's just that weird thing of looking at someone wearing a number nine shirt um, and it's Nick Foles and he's six foot six. Now, back in the day when the Bears were the greatest team on the planet, Jim McMahon was their quarterback and he was six foot one. It's just kind of weird. It looks like it looks like someone's grabbed Jim McMahon and kind of stuck him in an Iron Maiden and and stretched him out. It's just, it's just, I can't get the number nine out of my head without it being Jim McMahon and then seeing this kind of beam pole Nick Foles in that nine shirt. I don't know about you guys, but it just still weirds me out every time I see it. Yeah, he's, he's not exactly uh, lit it up, as he let's be honest, since he's took over that starting job. Certainly haven't got the bounce that the Bears were hoping for. Um, here I was last week, Tim, giving David Montgomery some praise. This is their usual stat line, isn't it? 14 carries, 30 yards, fumbled the ball away. That little mini revival lasted all of, well, ooh, two minutes last week. He's useless, mm. isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's like a rich man's Jordan Howard, isn't he? Uh, and it's funny enough, obviously, Jordan Howard was, uh, was the Bears running back. And I don't know if they'd uh, like to keep him considering how things have kind of turned out. But yeah, um, they, they like I said weeks ago, the Bears the Bears were forced at five and one and, or whatever they were, four and one. And I think it was when, the, when they when they played the Rams, I think it was. I, think, I can't remember if it's so many weeks ago now, but I, I, I've never been uh, the Bears, a bit Bears' biggest fan. Um, totally. I, th- I think their season's probably about to fall off the wagon, uh, to, to be quite honest. But yeah, they, whenever they run the ball, they've had the greatest offensive lens uh, over the last couple of years. Either, but they always seem to make just offensively look difficult. Even running the ball, running the ball is one of the most simplest things you can do, um, even for just a couple of yards. But they just don't, they don't you get any yardage. The, um, the Buccaneers about that. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. We'll get that. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We, we will um, get to that in a minute, indeed. Um, yeah. Kieran, just in terms of, let's look at a, a positive side of this game, then and obviously for the Titans, good to get back into the, the win column. And, and Lawrence has mentioned it there, AJ Brown, um, every catch that he had yesterday seemed like it was a highlight play. Um, obviously, the two wide receivers that came out last year and stood posing together for that photo where they obviously photoshopped themselves onto myself and Tim's bodies for their pre-draft photos. Uh, DK Metcalf obviously getting most of the love these days, but... Uh, AJ Brown, you know, equally such a huge player for Tennessee, the only receiver over 100 yards in this one, you know, and Tannehill only had 158 yards passing. So it tells you very clearly who his favourite guy is. And like you say, highlight reel plays galore yesterday for him. Yeah, AJ is a fantastic receiver. He, he, 
he seems to just be able to catch sort of anything that comes his way as well. And the thing I really like, even against press coverage, he can really get off that line quick and he uses leverage fantastically. He is... He's he's freakishly strong, and I know like with DK we say he's freakishly strong, but you expect him to be strong. AJ looks a lot smaller, but he is still phenomenally strong and very very fast. You remember at Ole Miss, it was basically DK running the same four routes that uh, Megatron ran his whole career, and any other routes on the route tree were basically given to AJ Brown, which is surprising because their quarterback they yeah, absolutely sucked. So, yeah, and. Yeah, I would. The Titans have been a team I was big on since last year. I got a lot of heat for saying that Tannehill was maybe a guy to watch in the MVP conversation year last year, but in twenty, uh, sorry, in seven games he threw the same amount of touchdowns as Patrick Mahomes did last year, and it, it seems to be that a lot of guys are ignored because Patrick Mahomes will throw a five-yard slant and half of Twitter uses their bloody mind because one of his eyes was looking in a different direction or something but you get guys like Tannehill go out and have consistently great performances maybe not you know maybe not the best performances of the weekend but consistently good performances that value in ball security and moving the ball really well and that they don't get enough shine now I'm not going to talk about Nick Foles because you know I think he sucks I think he's probably the worst quarterback in the league right now worse than Dwayne Haskins and the rest of them I, I stand by that statement. If you, throw, if you drop back 52 times, you should have more than 300 and something yards. Just, just, just my opinion. But um, the Bears didn't stick to a game plan they should have done. All they needed to do was sort of control Derrick Henry on first and second downs. And then if the Titans had to had a third and five or anything longer, they were in trouble because Tannehill's really struggled on third downs when he's got to go longer than five or six yards. He just... You know, some maybe a mental block where he he sort of uh, poos the bed a little bit. But yeah, t- Titans are looking like a legit team this year, and I think they're probably going to go deep into the playoffs. We didn't expect it last year, sort of expect it a little bit more this year. But I think them and the Bills would actually be a fantastic playoff matchup. And Tannehill versus Allen, we've already seen it this year, but it'd be interesting to see it in the playoffs where it matters a hell of a lot more. Yeah, no, absolutely. Certainly would be a good one, wouldn't it? And, uh, yeah, obviously plenty of revenge would be on Buffalo's minds if that game does indeed crop up after the the big win earlier on in the season. Let's move on then, gents, to Sunday night football. Lawrence has already briefly sort of given it a mention. But I am, of course, talking about New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Obviously, all the talk in this one was that Tampa looking good, the offense starting to click, bringing in Antonio Brown. This is just going to get better and better. And I woke up this morning, fellas, I have to confess, I didn't stay up to watch this. I woke up this morning and I, I sort of had to double check my phone. I was like, no, surely that wasn't the score. But it was indeed 38-3 in favour of New Orleans on the road. Kieran, take us through, buddy. I watch this game live. I am in the States, so I have the benefit of uh, not having to stay up till like God knows what time to watch the football Oh, Tampa Bay completely fell apart. Now I know I have I have harped. I said this in Kieran's corner. We know this Bruce Arians offense is high risk, high reward. This was all risk, no reward. Tom Brady three picks, his worst performance. This is the most he's ever lost a game by. And the fun stat of the day, which we should have got into it later, but I'm going to drop it now. Do you want? Do you guys want to hazard a guess how many rushing attempts the Tampa Bay Bucks had? 
That's right. Five. And that includes Blaine Gabbert taking a knee. So, mm, yeah, not great for them. I honestly thought they would probably win out uh, against the Saints just because the Saints have had real trouble on defense stopping anything that isn't a run. Uh, you know, and they didn't run the ball, funnily enough. Um, uh, and Drew Brees has looked shaky. He's not looked himself recently, but last night was a true Hall of Fame performance. He went out there through 222 yards and four touchdowns. Obviously, we saw the GOAT, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, get on the field. And Alvin Kamara continued to be fantastic. Uh, Michael Thomas's uh, return was a bit muted. But uh, he is obviously the Jalen Ramsey of the offense. He is all talk and uh, no trousers, in my opinion. But Alvin Kamara looked fantastic. Again, 40 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And he's actually their leading receiver this year, as well as leading Russia, which I think says something to the utility of Alvin Kamara. And the Buccaneers defense just couldn't get it done. And I've talked about how great this defense has been. They've got great pieces like Devin White, Whitehead, Jason Pierre-Paul, Anton Winfield Jr. And I don't know how they uh, just couldn't get it together uh, against the Buccaneers team that really has been just plowing through people all year and then only put up three points all game and they put it up in the fourth quarter. I don't know what went wrong for them. I don't know whether... You know, all the A-B stuff has sort of got them maybe feeling a bit too confident. But then, obviously, you know how it goes. I watched this man play for my team for God knows how many years. When Tom Brady gets frustrated, he doesn't play well. We've seen Super Bowl 51. He didn't get frustrated. He kept a level head and he played well. Juxtaposed to his last year in New England when we played the Tennessee Titans, he got frustrated. He threw another pick six. It just wasn't his day. Uh I know you guys are going to have plenty to say, but I, I feel like I'm cursing teams on Kieran's corner because every team almost <laughs> that has played fantastically, who I've then said are going to win their next game, have seemed to go on and lose. So <laughs> we, we might have to uh, maybe uh, give give some lesser known teams a chance to win by me picking against them. <laughs> pick the te- pick the Texans this weekend if you don't mind them. Um, Tim, let's <laughs> um, let's come to you, mate. Um, have you ever seen Tom Brady look so discombobulated? That third interception in particular, I mean, I've seen some poor interceptions in my time, and it's usually a rookie quarterback who's got pressure in his face, he doesn't know what to do with the ball, and he just throws up a prayer. This is, we could argue whether he's the GOAT or not. For me, he's, his record says that he's, he, and he's certainly in the conversation, if you don't want to believe that he's, he's the number one, let, let's put that to one side. He's thrown... As many passes as, as pretty much anybody in history, he's won more than anybody in history. What on earth was that third interception? To Kieran's point, there was he just really frustrated with what everything was going on in front of him, and just completely and utterly chucked it in for the evening. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, well, I don't think you can never um, accuse Tom Brady of, of throwing it in, but yeah, you, for for his for how long he's been in the league and his illustrious career, you, you're gonna, you know, he's had probably less less bad days at the office than most other QBs uh, in in the whole league. So it, I, I think it's just an off day. Um, the signs were there though, if you if you really think about it. Monday Night Football against the Giants, they weren't great there either. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility that they could that they could have another th- throw another stink. Obviously, you don't really expect them to at home. Um, the, the point about Antonio Brown could be could be a valid one in the sense that they know, you know look at look at all my shiny shiny toys and and uh, look how cool I am. 
and then just kind of like when uh, Pittsburgh, uh, which we'll touch on probably later as well, but you know, just expect to turn up and because you've got so many offensive weapons and you've got so much stuff, uh, uh, so much weaponry in your arsenal, you just kind of forget to, to take the safety lock off and, and let, uh, let the gun shoot, uh, shoot its ammo. Um, and I think I think this one kind of got out of hand early as well. I think the the Saints were like the Buffalo Bills; they were up 21, 20, 24 points quite early. Um, so, and I, I think it's probably a case of that the Saints had them um, banged to rights and kind of forced Tampa Bay's hand, like I say, as the five rushing attempts kind of in, indicates. But you'd, you'd still think that uh, rush more than that. But yeah, I, th- I think it's just a bad day at the office. The Saints got um, got out to a fast start and got on the board twenty three touchdowns down, and you're, you're always behind the eight ball. And again, Tom Brady's not. A guy that pushes it pushes it downfield that often so again coming about out of his comfort zone um he can't but if you were if you've been dinking and dunking for the last couple of years to then have to throw it downfield it's, it's not going to be something that's, that's well known to you so there's a probably a couple of reasons as to why it, like frustration probably sets in um and just just couldn't get anything going uh, but I, I expect them to just brush it off and, and come back firing next week yeah, yeah just... and Lawrence, let's turn let's turn to you, mate. Just in terms of the the New Orleans side of the ball, I know you want to have yeah. a, a little quick say on Tampa as well, so I'll let you obviously do that. But just from a New Orleans perspective, you and Kieran say there the Michael Thomas return slightly subdued. If you actually look at the entire receiving core, nobody caught more than five balls. The ball was spread all around the field. There's probably a load of names that people waking up this morning and have never heard of guys before that have, have caught the ball. Um, you know, three quarterbacks actually ended up throwing the ball in this one. So, I mean, the, the Saints were just coming <laughs> at, at Tampa from all angles in this one, weren't they? Yeah, I've got I've got a lot to say. I watched this game kind of woke up at seven o'clock this morning and and watched the game. So, um, there were yeah, lots and lots of talking points for me here. Um, Michael Thomas coming back was individually he didn't have the greatest game, but because he's on the field, then he's drawing coverage so everyone else has an opportunity um you look at um the tight end rookie tight end adam troutman now i like him because i've got a huge kind of 55 man team and i've i drafted him to one of my teams um back kind of in in may time so i've i've been waiting for him to have a little bit of a breakout all season long so that was a name that i'd heard of that probably a lot of people haven't um and then that that kind of Taysom Hill. It's like, when is Taysom Hill going to have this kind of breakout performance? And I felt like, you know, Sean Payton's just kind of teasing everybody with, you know, and he had such, you know, he was everywhere um, on the on the game Sunday night. And it was just great to see Taysom Hill. Great to see him when he when he sets off and runs, as the commentary was saying, he, he is one person you do not want to put your body in front of and try and tackle. Because he is an absolute beast. He's like he's he, the the only equivalent guy. You know, I'm sorry to be kind of you know skin colorist here, but it's kind of he's like he runs like Christian McCaffrey. You know that that's kind of the nearest comparison in terms of that running style. So you know that was the offense, but then the defense. You look at how they stepped up. Big key here, Marcus Davenport, the defensive end. He was back playing. He's been off injured. Um, he's had a really kind of rough start to this season. But he's a guy that is he's a monster when he's playing. He's 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 really tall, really big wingspan, and he he was very influential. Um, guys like David Onyemata, Trey Hendrickson, who's absolutely stepped up to the plate. Trey Hendrickson is kind of you know if there's an all Joe team, he's he's in the starting lineup <laughs> of Joe team because I you know absolutely rate the guy and he's in his lovely long sleeves. 
And then you've just got kind of the rest of that defence, Cam Jordan, you know, you, you just Demario Davis, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, who's been around for 100 years and, as the commentary say, hasn't missed a play since 1967. You know, it's, you know they've got a really solid defence. And I just, I'd love to see the Saints get a second Super Bowl. I really would. And with considering Breeze is still living in that shadow of Tom Brady because of Super Bowl wins. Yes, um, Breeze is now number one in in forever, the, the touchdown passing charts. So, you know, that's great. But that's going to flip-flop. We know that's going to flip-flop. Um, so, you know, he could be there at the end of the season, but it, it genuinely plays. It depends if Breeze and Brady decide to play in 2021. And, you know, if you're on the TB12 diet, probably Tom Brady will be playing in 2021. So, yeah, a really, really kind of fun game from an observational point of view. Obviously, from a score point, it was a total shellacking. So, yeah, good for the Saints. You know, well done. Uh, absolutely a big statement win. Um, like I say, one that many people wouldn't have seen coming, certainly by that score line, that's for sure. Right then, fellas, time for me to try and get my teeth in as we whiz through a huge number of games that are still outstanding because we've got lots more to talk about in the mid-season podcast. Uh, but keep your ears peeled, chaps, because I may well be coming to you for a few comments. So we started out the week 17, San Francisco 34, Green Bay. It almost felt unfair that this game was played, to be honest, with the amount of COVID problems and injury problems that the 49ers had um, and Green Bay comfortably dispatching San Francisco, um, Green Bay putting uh, a nice run together, aren't they, in the NFC North. They're looking strong. As for the 49ers, we talked about it last week, bit of a fire sale. They're probably done for the year in all likelihood, which is obviously a shame considering how strong they were last year. Jacksonville 25, Houston 27. Houston cling on in the end. Jake Fulton. Uh, sorry, not Jake Fulton. Jake Luton, even. <laughs> um what a start for the young man. 74 yarder with his second ever NFL throw to DJ Chark, who did the rest. Um, Tim, if Gardner Minshew was available this weekend, do you think they would put him back in the lineup? Um no, and I, I think uh, I think if Gardner Minshew was watching the watching the game, I'm sure he was uh, was doing and watching Jake, uh, Jake um, Luton throw a 74 yard bomb. I think that moustache would have fallen off his face, wouldn't it? Uh, to be quite honest, I, I think Min, Min, Minshew many is done. I, I love that Lawrence put in our WhatsApp group earlier that the Bedfordshire bomber that's brilliant. That, that got <laughs> that got a few chuckles. Um, but yeah, I, I I get the feeling is it, we've mentioned it last week. I think it's a bit of a cover up. I, I think they're just looking to see what they've got in Luton. Um, the, the only reason that you can say that is because they, they've kind of skipped over Mike Glennon. Everyone knows what Mike Glennon's all about. So just chuck Jake Luton in and see what you got. Again, he had a Houston defense that was awful. So um, kind of take it in a pinch of salt a little bit. Be interesting to see how he plays next week. He's got the Packers next week. Um, again, possibly favorable. Uh, it's going to be he's going to be throwing a lot in that game as well. Um, but certainly acquitted himself quite well. Had a, you know, a chance to the game and drive. Got them to the end zone and within two points of going to overtime. So. Um, They'll, they'll certainly give um, Jake Luton a, a, a game at least, even if Minshew is, is, is fixed. I think they they know what they've got in Minshew. They see him every day on the training on the training field, um, and you know, he's a sixth round pick. Um, just see what you got. See what you got. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Fair enough. Um, just in terms of Houston, um, 
decent day for Deshaun Watson, Brandon Cooks, um, Will Fuller continues. Uh, David Johnson left this one with concussion, so he will likely be out for a week or two. Uh, quite funny, just finishing on Jake Luton. One of the many things that I heard about him in the week from his scouted report that he apparently wasn't very mobile. Well, I would suggest everyone goes and watches his rushing touchdown because uh, he was certainly nimble enough to dance away and spin away from a few defenders whilst finding his way into the end zone, wasn't he? Uh, Washington 20, the New York Giants 23. Uh, big story in this one again, quarterback related. Obviously, Kyle Allen uh, got the start, as has been the case for the past few weeks. Nasty looking ankle injury. Um, thankful to say, not as bad as possibly initially feared, but still going to be bad enough to rule him out for the remainder of the season. And that obviously meant that Alex Smith came in again at quarterback, tossed his first touchdown pass in over 700 days. Uh, probably not the way he would have expected it. A little sort of 10-yard pass to Terry McLaurin, who somehow escaped four defenders seemingly and then legged it off to the end zone. Um, but in this one, Daniel Jones actually throwing a few nice uh, nice passes, a particularly nice one to Evan Ingram, who snagged a good ball in the end zone. He's obviously got a bit of a reputation for dropping more than he's catching recently, uh, but he certainly got hold of that one. Uh, and Daniel Jones improves to 4-0 and in his career against Washington and 1-17 and against everybody else. Lawrence, I, I believe you didn't watch the whole game, but uh, just very quickly... Pleased to get uh, to see Alex Smith, at least, and in theory, some competent quarterback play the rest of the way for Washington. I, I would say yes, but but no. I don't <laughs> want Alex Smith to be hit. I, as I said quite a few weeks ago, when he kind of when he made his little cameo appearance, um, I, I, I just wanted to say that he made it. He made it onto the field. In 2020, he's he's thrown a touchdown. Hallelujah. Okay, just let the man retire. He's got kids. Let, I don't want him to end up with, you know, a, some sort of permanent damage where he can't walk for the rest of his life. He's one hit away from that happening, from being potentially paralysed. It's just, you know, I know that's the case with everybody, but with, with what Alex Smith's come back from, he's proved the point. Um the team are, you know, the team are two and six. They're not going to improve. They haven't got the weapons on offense to prove anything. And then when Alex Smith does have a shot against the Giants, three interceptions, including two in the last, you know, two in the fourth quarter. You know, he's not, it's not the old Alex Smith. It's not the same mobile Alex Smith. The Alex Smith of old, the, the Alex Smith of the, the Chiefs and the, the, you know, when it was the Redskins before the injury, he was a mobile quarterback. You know, he he did rely a lot on his legs as part of his game plan. It was a, it's a surprising thing, the amount of rushing yards that he has accrued. I think it's something, you know, it's quite phenomenal how, how many rushing yards he's had. He's not going to be rushing the ball at all. And so you've all, already eliminated a part of what Alex Smith is. Um, because he's scared. Not you know. I know he's not scared because he's coming on the pitch, but he's he's going to be scared of running and scrambling. He's not going to be doing that. He's going to be a pocket passer for the remainder of his days in the NFL. We've got Dwayne Haskins, who's just kind of you know been treated like a you know like he's poisonous at the moment. Um, so you know, I, I say just bring Dwayne Haskins back, let him see the season out, and then try and find the next. 
franchise quarterback because it isn't there at the moment. And it's a shame. And yeah, by all means, there's well wishes from Ron Rivera saying, oh yeah, we look forward to welcoming Kyle Allen back next season. But he's not the franchise either. So, you know, it's it's just a really horrendous situation there in Washington. I feel for Ron. I'm just so glad he's finished his, you know, his cancer treatment. But he deserves a hell of a lot better than than what he's got at the moment. And my goodness, we're gonna we're gonna get Washington are gonna get Terry McLaurin in the Pro Bowl at least, but as a minimum. And and he's that he's he's holding that offense together without Terry McLaurin. They'll be getting a hundred yards a game. It's it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. I'll calm no, down. It's um, it's <laughs> no, this man love, love the passion. It's like you say, it's going to be a change um, from what he's been throughout his career. Like you say, so good luck to Alex Smith. I think he's definitely going to get the the start. I mean, it's not been announced yet, but uh, you know, I agree with you for what it's worth. I think they should probably go back to. To Haskins, but you know, I think everything that's happened in the last few weeks leads you to believe that that probably won't happen. But you know, we will wait and see uh, later on throughout the course of the week. Uh, Indianapolis ten, Baltimore twenty-four. Another win for the Ravens. Another not overly impressive win for the Ravens, if we're being honest. Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about this game in terms of a couple of funny plays that came up throughout the course of it. Um, but um, the one that stood out for me, and it was a real momentum changer. How on earth did Marcus Peters get credited with that interception, fellas? Ridiculous. What absolutely an absolutely ridiculous. shocking call. Never seen anything like it, but it was a big momentum changer. The, the Colts were up at that point, and then the, the Ravens converted that turnover into point to look back and put the game away. Like I said, we will come back to that game a little bit later on when we talk about some winners and losers. Minnesota 34, Detroit 20, Delvin Cook continuing to stake his claim for the best offensive weapon in the NFL two weeks in a row with, oh God, what's he got, about 7,000 yards over the last two weeks, guys, and 19 touchdowns, something crazy. It feels like every time he touches the ball, he's off dancing to the end zone. Yeah, a few, maybe a few out, but yeah, you get the point. <laughs> he, he's abs- absolutely, uh, no, no pun intended, he has been cooking since he has got back. Uh, KC 33, Carolina 31, another guy who looked really good in his first game back since week two, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, look, let's face it, we all know how good of a player Christian McCaffrey is. I think we were all probably a tiny bit surprised, though, by just how involved and, you know, we shouldn't be surprised how effective he was with that involvement, but a huge, huge day for Christian McCaffrey. Um, But unfortunately for the Carolina Panthers, despite playing the Chiefs really close throughout this one and leading for large portions of it, it ultimately ended up 33-31. Some sad news coming out of it, though, is that McCaffrey apparently picked up a shoulder injury and could be going back out for another period of time on the sideline. Uh, which is obviously a real, real blow because, like I say, you can just see what an explosive player he is when he's in the lineup and what a huge difference he'd make to any team, but particularly to that Panthers lineup. Atlanta 34, Denver 27. Come on, Falcon fans. You were absolutely bricking it in that last few minutes, weren't you? My word, this game was dead and buried um, with any other team in the league, but you just never, ever know with the Falcons, do you? My uh, my friend texted me last night, uh, Bronco supporter, said, do you think they can come back? And I said, normally I'd say not a chance in hell, but you never, ever know with the Falcons. And it nearly, nearly proved true again. They uh, they had several opportunities, Denver. I mean, they made an absolute uh, 
dog dinner of the final play of the game, didn't they? Let's be honest. But uh, they they did make it close in the end. Jerry Judy going off for a nice game in this one. Uh, but the the Falcons, similar to what we said about the Saints, guys, plenty of passes going to people that people wouldn't have necessarily been high on. They were obviously playing without Calvin Ridley in this one, um, and the ball was distributed elsewhere. Um, three wins now for the Falcons. Uh, they're improving all of the time. Um, big battle in the AFC West. The Chargers 26, the Vegas Raiders 31. Another entertaining game involving the Chargers. Another one-possession game involving the Chargers. Another one-possession game that the Chargers ultimately come out on the wrong end of. I've just never known a team like it, guys. They just cannot seem to get over the the edge, can they? And uh, two attempts to win this one in the final few seconds. First one to Mike Williams, which if he'd have held on to the ball, would have been a good touchdown. The second one to my old XFL friend, Donald Parham, who nearly caught the ball, but it did hit the ground for a period. So despite it being ruled a touchdown, it was reversed. And ultimately, the Raiders hang on for a big win. Another nice game for Nelson Aguilar. Talk about a player that's reinvented himself since his move. He was known as Mr. Drop It All, wasn't he, at uh, the Eagles? He seems to just hang on to anything these days. Um, so, yeah, big game for Nelson Aguilar. The light window game that was on Sky was an absolute cracker. The Cardinals 31, the Dolphins 34. And, fellas... If there were any questions about Tua after his debut and the limited number of yards and the limited number of, of passes and all the rest of the things that came his way, what a way to answer any sort of questions and critics that might have been coming his way. Tim, 34 points on the board. He looked in control of the offence. He looked poised. He, you know, he distributed the ball well. He was accurate, obviously doing it without much of a running game whatsoever. Uh, against a team that, you know, we knew were going to put up points and obviously did put up points. You know, again, the Cardinals putting up over 30. But what a performance from Tua. Uh, we had Leon for the quiz last week, a big Dolphins fan. And you can just tell the excitement in the fan base. It's absolutely, you know, legitimate. What a performance this was. Yeah, it was obviously night and day between between uh, last week. I, I probably have to go back and, and watch this game because I didn't really come out. I, 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 must, be, I must be missing something. I didn't... Obviously connected well with um, uh, Preston Williams before he left the game, and like I say, not really too much of a, a run game to to, to talk of. Uh, Mike Stecky had a few nice catches as well, but um, yeah, I, also might be biased because I was watching Kyler Murray because he was in one of my fancy teams. But um, yeah, I, I need to go back and watch this one just to kind of give a, a fair reflection on on to it because I didn't really see, but for me, not anything too flashy. Um, to, to be quite honest, I'm probably way, way out on way out on on whiffing on this one. But um, again, tough place to go to in Arizona. Arizona's defense sneaky good um, to come away with a win. Um, you, could, you could argue that Arizona probably the I think it's at the fourth and one where they they didn't get it. Uh, possibly would have left them to 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 lose the game. But should they should they have given that one up? But to to come away with a win, it doesn't matter how they come. Uh, you take them, you take scruffy ones. You take you know exemplary offensive performances. Um, but yeah, two two will be will be delighted that it's not been kind of given to him, that win's been given to him because of the defense. Obviously, he's the him himself and the offense put enough points on the board to to get the win. So he'll he'll probably wake up feeling uh, a lot more. Um, 
uh, a, lot, a lot more happy than he, than he would have done last season. Um, but yeah, I, I do need to, to go, kind of go back and, and kind of see what I, I, I feel like I've missed something. But uh, yeah, again, where wins a win uh, and stay on to the next one if you're Miami. And so you, it'll give the fan base and not, yeah, not only um, the, the coaching staff than Tour himself, it'll give the fan base a lot of uh, rejuvenation and uh, a lot to look forward to, especially in the AFC East that's probably just changing the landscape a little bit. No, absolutely. And Kieran, he was was one of the most talked about players in college football coming out along with Joe Burrow. And obviously he he was probably the name that most casual NFL fans would have heard about anybody in the draft process before anybody else was even mentioned. Uh, Obviously for us in the the UK, it was the first time he was sort of featured as one of the, the sort of live Sky Sports games. Uh, yeah, but someone who watches plenty of college football, how did you feel he played? Uh, you know, as well as could be expected, given I think he's come in a bit early personally. I thought they were going to maybe uh, keep Fitzmagic out there a little bit longer. But he, uh, as well as a left-handed quarterback can do, we know there's, you know, obviously the game is a lot different for a left-handed quarterback, not just from who they've got protecting him on the line, but for certain receivers running certain routes. So... I think he's adapted well, and especially coming from an Alabama team where every single receiver he had was sort of like a track speed sort of guy, and he could just sort of throw them open and they would go up there and get it. He's he's looked good, but the real star of this Dolphins defense, uh, sorry, Dolphins team is the defense of Brian Flores. We saw a couple years ago, Brian Flores put on absolute defensive clinic when the Patriots played the Rams in the Super Bowl. And I know a lot of people didn't find that exciting, but I love watching defense personally. That was one of the most exciting Super Bowls for fans like me who are defensive fans. And Brian Flores has really, really done amazing with this uh, defense. Now, the offense is obviously ticking along. You've got guys like uh, Mike Gusecki, Devontae Parker, and now Tua's got some really decent targets to throw to. But I, you can't overstate how important this defense is. They've got real leaders like Kyle Van Noy and then experienced guys like Byron Jones coming in. And it's just it's so much. I said before the season, top eight. And people said, why top eight? Why not top 10? I said, because they're going to be better than top 10, but they're not going to be better than top five. Uh, and I think maybe after another draft, this is going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. Oof. Yeah, they've certainly got that potential. And and Lawrence, sorry, mate, I know you wanted to come in and say something there just as I went to Kieran. Your your take on the game? Yeah, it's just just two two tiny little points. Um, one was that opening touchdown of the Dolphins, another defensive touchdown, and then the the performance of the defense in the fourth quarter. So they they held the Cardinals out in the fourth quarter. Okay, um, you know Zane Gonzalez missed a. An, an achievable field goal. It wasn't like a 59 yarder. I think it was, it was under 50 yards that attempt. Um, and that was, that was the kind of swing. But other than that, holding the, holding Kyla Murray to, you know, no points in the fourth quarter. Again, um, it's, it's absolutely that defense that has, that has kind of kept that big broad smile on, on Tua's face. And I love the fact that Tua doesn't get changed for his post-game press conference. Stays in his uniform. He's committed. That's the way it should be, mate. That's absolutely the way it should be. Final score going across the ticket at the bottom for all of you watching along live. The Cowboys 19, Pittsburgh 24. 
I heard Tim and Adam talking about this on Saturday about the fact that the Steelers haven't necessarily played down to any competition. <laughs> they waited until week nine to do that, didn't they? Um, and let's be honest, they only just about squeaked over the line in the end. Garrett Gilbert, we mentioned him at the top of the pod, actually performed reasonably well, I think, all things considered. Um, certainly looked a lot more like a quarterback than Ben DiNucci did the week before. Um, you know, he at least looked competent. Um, unfortunately, though, Dallas settled really for too many field goals in this one um, and allowed the Steelers that opportunity to eventually claw their way back into the game. Uh, obviously, Big Ben going down with a knee injury just before half time with the Cowboys leading. And I'm sure, Tim, you were getting a little bit excited at that stage, thinking, hang on a minute, miracles could happen. Uh, but Big Ben did return for the second half and uh, he said he'll be fine moving forward. Probably one just to keep an eye on, though. Um, obviously, the Steelers are still going to be heavily fancied down the stretch, aren't they? Uh, but certainly, they're a different proposition if Mason Rudolph is taking multiple snaps at uh, quarterback. Uh, you know, the three or four he took before halftime were enough evidence that uh, this, this team is not going to go very far with him behind the controls, but uh, an improvement at least, mate, from Dallas uh, this week and something to build on, hopefully, for weeks ahead. Uh, well, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I mean, I, I was kind of torn because I was watching the game and I was thinking, I, at no point did I really think Dallas were going were gonna to win, maybe maybe in the fourth quarter, but I had Pittsburgh in all my survive, most of my survivor leagues. I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't want Dallas to win. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, yeah, my, my next best on the betting kind of went awry, but they, I, I said, give me, 20, give me 20 points if you're the Steelers. But um, yeah, Garrett Gilbert um, stepped into his throws and showed he was a confident, uh, confident quarterback. He's been around a hell of a lot. Uh, it, it'd be interesting to see, obviously, on a bye next week. Uh, it'd be interesting to see whether they go with him or, or um, Mr. Average Andy Dalton, the Ginger Prince. Yeah, no, certainly one to, to keep a track on. And like I say, Garrett Gilbert didn't do himself any harm whatsoever, did he? Kieran, do you want to have a word on Garrett Gilbert? Uh, was just in the Steelers in general, I, f- I feel like they overlooked the Cowboys too much coming in because oh, yeah. the Cowboys, yeah, yeah. S- sorry, Tim, they have been terrible on defense, oh, especially yeah, this year. And I think don't apologize. Don't apologize. I think maybe they thought they were just going to come in and completely trounce. Uh, the Cowboys in the first quarter and then they could maybe roll Mason Rudolph out there or some other terrible quarterback that they maybe have on the roster and uh, uh, just coast the rest of the way. And that definitely wasn't the case. I was actually impressed with how close the Cowboys kept it. They kind of kept Mapletron under control a little bit. Chase Claypool, who's really been going beast mode um, last couple of weeks. And this shows that the Steelers, if, if they come in over Con confident you can catch him with your trousers down and I think if they came in this confident uh, and maybe Dak Prescott was in the game it would have been a different story um obviously the Cowboys have the best receiving core in football I I don't think that's really any debate with Cooper Gallup and Lamb and and they could have really exposed that defense but unfortunately they they didn't really have the quarterback to do that but uh yeah uh, you know, I just I just always like rooting for the Steelers to lose. So so maybe that's my bias showing there. But it, it, I took it. yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like watching them uh, dry their eyes with their terrible towels. So, it, you know, if they come into any other game like this against no offense, Tim, a competent team, they're going to get absolutely yeah. slaughtered. None taken. None taken. Yeah. We'll get on to the potential Super Bowl winners because the Steelers obviously featured in that poll. We'll see what uh, our 
fans and listeners thought of that question earlier and we'll give our views on it as well. But uh, that's all the games whizzed through, fellas. So it's time to discuss a few winners and losers from the week. Tim, let's start with you to pick a winner for us. And you've gone for a team that didn't even play this week. You've gone for the Rams, mate. Tell us what. Indeed. Um, yeah, I, th- I think for a team that have been putting their feet up, you know, back back in the day when uh, Man United uh, in, the, in the Premier League would win Premiership titles because other teams lost on the same night, which meant giving him giving the United the win. It, I think Sean McVay and the Rams um, will be will be having a massive grin on their face as they as they hit the practice field tomorrow. Um, all three teams lost in the NFC West, obviously Seattle losing to Buffalo, Arizona to Miami, and. Um, it was the other one. San Francisco obviously getting walloped by uh, by Green Bay. They couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, keep pace, obviously. One, there's still uh, one game behind Seattle, but mouthwatering game uh, in week ten when they when they face Seattle, and it could be a case of you catching them and keep being able to kick them whilst they're down. Um, you know, that's it. We've mentioned uh, multiple multiple times the Seattle defense is is not good. So, be interesting to see what what Sean McVay maybe taken from from the game against Buffalo and what the game plan. Uh, as they head into into week 10's game, but win that game against Seattle next week in in the driving seat. To be quite honest, in the uh, in the NFC West, so uh, I think for a team that didn't have to throw a ball in anger uh, yesterday, Rams are one of the big ones uh, from from week nine. Yeah, hard to disagree with, mate. Like you say, good logic behind it as well. And uh, yeah, I think the Rams are doing better than a lot of people's preseason predictions. Uh, and like you say, all ahead of them and pretty much in their own destiny. It's still going to be an interesting race in that NFC West. Lawrence, let's turn to you. Let's look for a loser. You've gone for Mr. Philip Rivers. Tell us why. <laughs> yeah. And everyone, you've got to keep a straight face <laughs> while I'm talking about this. I, I, I'm sorry, I've broken that already. I can't, I can't do it. So there we have <laughs> You know, my husband, Lamar Jackson, he's out there. He's having an absolute stink fest. The The Ravens get to half time with four rushing yards, four rushing yards in the half, considering they're the best rushing team in the entire league With and the, against this Colts defence, which is playing absolute lights-out football. And um, Rivers is seven-zip up, driving the ball kind of past the halfway line. Jonathan Taylor gets a handoff, runs up the right-hand side, gets hit by um, Marcus Peters, um, and then Chuck Clark, the safety, picks the ball up, runs back 60-odd yards for a touchdown. And you're thinking, what's this got to do with Philip Rivers? Well, on on the journey to the end zone, Chuck Clark took a little detour over Philip Rivers' body. And... And Philip Rivers is looking like a baby about to have his nappy changed. And, and there's Chuck Clark kind of leaping over him. And, you know, it's like Rivers just kind of puts his hand up to kind of, you know, slap him on the balls. And just, well Off you go. Have a touchdown on me. And, and then Clark's there celebrating after he busts a few moves. And then they pan the camera back to Rivers sitting there with his legs splayed open at 90 <laughs> degrees, just looking like a lost child in an orphanage. And you're like, what? what's going on? And he's like, that was the moment. It was 7 all, but the, the Colts had lost the game. That was it. it was that one moment, the river's face was like... Just, he, oh, he lost the God. by then. 
And it turned out to be absolutely true. They get the field goal at the end of the first half, but then they lay an absolute egg in the second half. Rivers ends up with zero touchdowns, <laughs> one interception. And yes, that shouldn't have been an interception. That was the dodgiest interception call of the season. But Rivers has 18 incompletions. And there was a real opportunity for the Colts to have a real big signature win there. And, you know, they absolutely <laughs> had a performance in the second half which was flatter than a steamroller blueberry pancake. Keeping oh, a little man. bit of that food analogy, the Colts are now going to go into a real tough sandwich of a stretch. Two slices of pumpernickel-flavoured tightened bread filled with a juicy green bay pickle. If there's anyone out there that's watching this, like a, meet, like a video editor, can someone put, like, across week nine, we saw lots of quarterbacks like Teddy Bridgewater and some others go, like, airborne to get a touchdown or a first down or, or whether. Just do put all the great plays from week nine from quarterbacks and then at the end just put, just put Flip Rivers falling down to some clown music or something. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. It was an absolutely hilarious play. I just love the fact that once uh, Clark actually hurdled him, he sort of then just lay there as if he was getting ready to go to his coffin as well, didn't he? He just completely resigned to the fact. But, yeah, it, it was uh, a bad day at the office for him. It was all, all joking aside. That, that play, obviously, is a... It was like he'd lost the playoff game and that was the overtime yeah. winning play, not something yeah. in the first half. Yeah. I mean, that play is obviously the... That play is obviously the highlight that will stand out. But, uh, I mean, more worrying, really, is the fact that he, he seems to need to, you know, he needs like 50 people in his arm to wind it up to throw the ball more than 20 <laughs> yards down the field. Yeah. But it was the Hail Mary time. He just jogged off the field. He knew he wasn't going to be even asked to throw it because they just know he can't reach. So there are some questions for for Philip Rivers, a huge financial yeah. investment from the Colts. And, you know, let's face it, he's... He's had a great career. You, you know, can argue another day whether it's Hall of Fame career or not. You know, he's obviously not got the postseason wins, although he's got the uh, regular season statistics. Um, but he's certainly on the back nine, isn't he? A quarterback that's certainly at the front nine of his career. Kieran, let's come to you for your winner. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. You're going for Josh Allen, the pride of Firebar, California. Joshua Patrick Allen went off this week, guys. I've been saying he's an M MVP front runner since before the season started, and he he really showed it this this game against another MVP front runner in Russell. He threw for four hundred and fifty yards and three touchdowns in his performance. He only had seven incompletions. Josh Allen looked like a different quarterback this week. Obviously, couple couple of you know disappointing losses for them. Games they shouldn't have lost, but it, it comes down to what I said earlier. The, the offense sometimes struggles to keep up and, and get going as much as it should do. But they, they really, really, they just let Josh Allen sling it this week. And obviously, he's great on the ground as well and ran in for a touchdown. But yeah, man, just, I, I fawn over this kid because he's so, so good and he's out of such a terrible school. But um. He, he's been fantastic, and I like the fact that he's a JUCO product as well. A lot of people don't know this about Josh Allen. He is actually a junior college product before he went to Wyoming. So, you know, man, it, he, he's looking to stamp his mark as he's looking 
level pegging with Lamar Jackson in terms of who was the best quarterback in that draft that he came out of that included guys like Baker Bust Mayfield and Sam seeing Ghost Donald. So it's, it, you know, there's not much more I can say about Josh Allen that he is. When you watch like an American movie or a TV show, when you think the star quarterback, he's got it all. He's got size. He's got a howitzer for an arm. His ball placement is getting better and better and better. And most of all, he's athletic. That can't be understated enough. You've got quarterbacks today who aren't athletic because he can escape the pocket when he needs to be. We've seen guys like Joe Burrow who don't have an O-line. He relies on that athleticism a lot to get out of trouble. But now they're building a proper team around Josh Allen. He's got a great defense to fall back on. He's got some absolute weapons like John Brown, Stefan Diggs. And man, Cole Beasley, I know he's an old guy, but he's in there and he, he's reliable for a few catches every single game and maybe even a touchdown. The running game doesn't help him as much, but yeah, Josh Allen is... Yeah, Philip Rivers. Um, Josh <laughs> Allen is... <laughs> Josh Allen is looking to be probably a top five quarterback within the next few years, especially when we see guys, the legends, the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees's, the Aaron Rodgers's retire and the Philip Rivers. We can't forget him. Man's got nine kids. He might be the most athletic guy in the league at that rate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, jo Josh Allen will be up there in the next few years with Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and of like the other top tier quarterbacks when the old guard have stepped down. I truly believe in the next five years, he will either win a Super Bowl or an MVP. And I bet on that in my latest article saying I will get Eli Manning as a Hall of Famer tattooed on me if he doesn't achieve that. So, so that's how much I believe in Josh Allen. Yeah, he was certainly good this weekend, wasn't he? I remember back to that draft class, obviously, as a Browns fan, and obviously the Browns took Baker. I think Josh Allen was the quarterback in that draft class that everybody said had the potential to be the best one, but he was so, so raw. And it was just, was somebody going to give him that chance and that opportunity and, and trust him and build around him? And, yeah, let's be honest, it's been a, a rough, well, I say a rough couple of years, you know, he, He's done more on the ground. He sort of escaped the pocket at the first sign of trouble, particularly during his rookie season. He's developed so massively in the last, uh, well, certainly the, the, you know, this season, the jump he's made in year three has been phenomenal. And uh, for what it's worth, mate, I don't think you'll be needing to go and see your tattoo artist anytime soon. I think uh, that's a pretty good bet. Let's finish it off then with my loser for the week. And I'm going with Bruce Arians. Because quite simply, Bruce, you've coached in this league for long enough. Losing 38-0 is just as embarrassing as losing 38-3. Why on earth are you kicking a field goal when you're 38 points to nothing down? I just do not understand it. The only thing is to get the goose egg off the scoreboard, which is absolutely irrelevant. Uh, completely outcoached in this one by Sean Payton and the guys over on the Saints sideline. And yeah, just a real bad day at the office for the books. We talked about it enough earlier, so I'm not going to spend too much more time on it, but I just thought it was a really, really... Strange decision, um, you know, kicking field goals, sending Blaine Gabbert in to kneel down in, uh, you know, defeat formation as Tim pinned it earlier. Oh, never <laughs> mind victory formation, we had defeat formation for the book. So, yeah, strange, uh, strange day on the sidelines for Bruce Arians. Obviously, we'll be keeping our eyes peeled to see how Tampa Bay respond moving forward. Right, fellas, we're nearly at that point that we're going to look through the polls that we put out on Twitter earlier. But as we always like to do on a Monday, and because I've practised a little bit this week, I'm going to put it in the section. It normally comes in, chaps. So let's get some stats from you. 
you've obviously got competition this week, fellas, because it's normally just a two-way tussle. But as Kieran's involved in the contest, I've now got three to choose from. So I'm going to limit you to just a couple of stats apiece as opposed to the usual three. So you'll still get six number beauties from the fellas. So let's start us off with who's... Lawrence got the win last week. So Lawrence, as the defending uh, weekly champion, let's start with yourself, my friend. Okay. Um, I'm going to go a bit Rocky Balboa on you and take it back. Do, 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 do. Right, so here we go. So I'll bring I'll start off with something fresh, which we've talked about. Historic, the Bucks five rushing attempts, including that that legendary now that legendary Blaine Gabbert kneel down, which has got had a lot of love tonight. Um, that both five cool. attempts are the lowest number of attempts in the Super Bowl era. Unbelievable. Ooh. In fact, it goes back to the last 60 years. It's the lowest amount of rushing attempts by a team in the last 60 years. So we kind of knew that one because that's kind of flashed up for everyone who saw the end of the game. Just wanted you to know, and I'm not going to ask you to guess this one because it's never going to happen, but the least amount of rushing yards in a game in NFL history goes way back to 1943, and it was the Detroit Lions against the Chicago Cardinals and the Detroit Lions had minus 53 yards rushing. <laughs> minus 53 yards rushing. So bear in mind, this was the Lions have minus 53 yards rushing against the Chicago Cardinals. What was the final score? Oh, they're bound to have won. They're to have won now you've said that. Go on, quick, quick round robin, Sean. Three, three, nothing. Oh. Ten, ten, three. Ten, three, three, nothing. Kieran, where are you going? Where are you going with Kieran? Uh, <laughs> it's a hard one to pick, honestly. Uh, he's trying to Google numbers. it, Lawrence. That's what he's, he's trying Googling to do. <laughs> I'll probably go with it. Yeah, I'll probably go the same answer as Tim, to be honest, because I don't think I'm really going to get this. I'll, I'll put you out of the misery. It was a 7 0 Lions yeah. win on the back <laughs> of a, a Harry Hop 67 yard touchdown catch. So, you know, I don't think Harry Hop has been on a podcast ever. <laughs> on a podcast. So, this is a full 10 yards first. Well done to Harry Hop. <laughs> there you go. You are Lions fans, 77 years on, and you still can't run the football. Tim, let's come to you, mate. Uh, okay, we'll go with Tennessee Titans. Obviously, it was mentioned a bit earlier on, but in the calendar year 2020, including the playoffs, today was the Titans' third win while completing 10 passes or less. The rest of the NFL combined has three such wins in that span. Yeah, what you do with it that counts, I guess, in terms of efficiency. Like you say, Ryan Tannehill still ended up with a nice day in terms of quarterback rating and a couple of touchdowns and uh, got enough done to get the W. So, yeah, nice, efficient football from the Titans. Kieran, your first one, mate. Well, actually, my own, one of my only interesting stats was what Lawrence said. The uh, the the uh, Bucks only had five attempts, which is really weird. With the, that's the only real interesting stat I had from this weekend. Unfortunately, I uh, I was I was focused more on the exciting plays from this weekend. Unfortunately, that's fair enough. Mate. That's not a problem, Lawrence. Let's come to you then for your second one. Okay. Well, seeing as Tim loves it and I love it, 
We're going to go there. We're going to give some more love to the Bedfordshire Bomber, our friend <laughs> Jake Newton, who became the only the seventh quarterback in the last 70 years. So bear in mind, this feat happens once every decade to pass for 300 yards plus a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown in his debut. So he's only the seventh person to do it in 70 years. This feat has actually been achieved three times in the last two seasons. So for a bonus point, can you name the other two quarterbacks uh -huh. in their debut in the last in, in 2020 or 2019, 300 yards passing, one or more passing touchdown and one or more rushing touchdown? Jesus. Oh, you always throw a quiz question in, don't you? I love Carla it. Murray. I love it. That's what I'm here to do. Carla Murray. No. Debut. Okay. Date first first game. Ah, Minshew. Come on, Kieran. Come on, Tim. Let's have at least Daniel one. Daniel Jones. Would you say, Daniel Sean? Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones. Yep. Daniel Jones. Last season. 336 yards passing, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Justin Herbert? I think so. Yes, Justin Herbert. Absolutely well done there. 311 yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown. And quickly, just to run through the other four, just because I want to put your put everyone watching out of your misery, Cam Newton in 2011. I was going to say Patrick Cam Newton. Ramsey in 2002 for the Redskins. Vinny Testaverde on his debut for the Buccaneers and Eric Hipple for the Lions <laughs> back in 1981. A lot of love for the Lions this weekend. So all you Lions fans, I've spoiled you rotten. A bit of retro I'm love for the you. Lions. Loving your work, mate. Loving your work. Loving your work. Tim, let's come and get your second and final one of the week. Um, okay, let's go with... I was going to go Cowboys, but let's not go with that. Um, Baltimore have scored... Uh, have broken a new NFL record, uh, scoring at least 20 points in 31 straight games, beating Peyton Manning in the 2012-2014 Broncos for the longest streak in NFL history. Why is that significant? That dates back to Lamar Jackson's first ever start. Yeah, it's like we say, it's amazing, isn't it? And uh, you know, I'm seriously not doing it out of spite or anything like that when we say that the Ravens have been struggling a little bit this season. I think that's what everybody's eyeball test is telling them. But like you say, they're still putting the points up on the board. And uh, yeah, there he is at his new favourite jersey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely lovely, Lawrence. Absolutely lovely. I believe, Kieran, that since we spoke about 30 seconds ago, you've been Googling like mad and you found a beauty for us, mate, to finish off the week. So go on, it's with your uh, your stat of the week. This stat is now my favourite stat of all time because it gives me hope. The last nine teams to start 8-0 in the NFL didn't win the Super Bowl. Take that, Steelers. You're going down. Ah, see, now, now that's what you call, fellas, saving the best till last. I mean, we're, you know, let's face it, there's not really many Steelers fans on this podcast Sorry, James, in the fancy side of things. I know, obviously, James, a resident Steelers fan. But, yeah, I'm happy with that, Kieran. You've redeemed yourself there, mate. That one takes the win for me this week. Some good stats, though. Certainly, Lawrence pulling out plenty of retro love there for the Lions. And, yeah, plenty of good stats every single week in the NFL. We'll hit you with some more next week for sure. Right then, fellas. We're midway through the season. And, obviously, we started to put out some polls earlier today. 
thank you to everybody that has got involved and has interacted with us. We asked a series of questions, so let's give you the answers that you guys gave us. So we'll start off with, we asked what was the biggest disappointment or who or what has been the biggest disappointment so far on the season? And the winner, boys and girls, no surprise probably, has been the NFC East with a 60% share of the vote. Obviously, the division that sees the leader with a losing record, three of the teams only with two victories. Uh, it couldn't really get much worse, could it? And, of course, I'm going to come to Tim just to comment on this as a fan in the division. Um, the irony of all of this, and we say this week to week that the Cowboy season's over and the Washington season's over, the reality is nobody's season's over because everybody has just been that damn bad. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because uh, I think there's a great line. I don't know if it was a commentary of it was a report I read, but it's like some they, they put that the New York Giants and Washington uh, whilst played competing for the division, but the first the first overall pick. I thought it's just, it's just brilliant. Um, but yeah, considering we're nine nine games in on nine weeks in, uh, pretty much eight weeks, uh, eight games that they've all played. Um, considering that the the the, the leader has thirty three percent win uh, win percentage on the season in their first. Um, it, it's just brilliant. But if you look at, I think it's, it's been doing its round on Twitter. If you look at the play, the fumble in the game between the the Giants and Washington Redskins, um, perfectly encapsulating all that's all that's to love about. If you can love it with the uh, the NFC East, but uh, yeah, hot potato. Yeah, massive um, credit has got to be given, I think, to the NFL UK. Twitter account that I've actually dubbed the Benny Hill music over the top of that play. And that was exactly what I thought when I was watching it yesterday. I thought somebody has got to put that piece of music to that particular play. If you haven't seen it, we'll retweet it out from our account. An absolute, uh, absolute. Does, does, uh, does Logan Thomas realise that he thing? actually has knees? <laughs> you don't, you don't have to touch your toe <laughs> and try and pick the ball up. Use your knees. Just, <laughs> Just bend your knees. It's like going bloody skiing. Just bend your <laughs> knees, mate. Bend your knees and pick the ball up. Don't try and, like, you know, do a pro-touching exercise where you're trying to pick the ball up. For goodness sake, bend the knee. <laughs> I actually just thought it was a sneaky way for Washington to try and get a few more offensive yards. They fumbled the ball about 30 yards further up the field. If they could have recovered it, it would have been their longest gainer of the day, Lawrence. I mean, come on. It was actually almost a genius play. Honestly, I am just lost for words. I just it, I don't know how it's going to get any worse. I just, just don't. <laughs> it's funny. Things can only I, get better. From, from my kind of fandom, it from way way back from like watching the game in the eighties. Do you know what? I've even even as a teenager back, you know, hundred years ago, I always judged a Washington season by the games against the Giants. Um, doesn't matter. Didn't matter about going against the Cowboys because quite often they'd, they'd be split, and the Eagles I didn't care because they weren't relevant for a very very long time. Um, even with the likes of Randall Cunningham, they weren't they weren't going to you know win a Super Bowl. Um, but I always looked at it if they if even if Washington would have won 11, 12 games and they got swept by the Giants, they weren't going to go anywhere, and that's always always been the case. So. By getting swept by the Giants and we're halfway through the season, that's it. You know, it's all she wrote. So, yeah, more likely to be in the, um, you know, tanking for Trevor than, you know, trying to get the seventh seed. Yeah, the other choices in that poll, just to give you the um, 
the full results. The New York Jets, obviously, they're still winless. New York Jets, 4% of the vote. The Seahawks defense, 17% of the vote. I actually thought that one might score higher because, yeah, to be fair, as good as the offense is, the defense is just as bad. And the other option was the New England Patriots at 19%. Um, obviously, the Patriots and the Jets face each other tonight in Monday Night Football. Next question that we asked was your defensive MVP and your votes couldn't split the two that came out with 35.4% of the vote. It was a tie between TJ Watt and Aaron Donald. The other choices that we gave you were Miles Garrett, who got 20% of the vote, and Devin White, who got 9%. Um, Kieran, obviously a couple of guys here, standout names in their respective teams. Um, I think, to be fair, the, the vote probably tells you all you need to know that, you know, I think any one of these three probably could ultimately go on and win it. I mean, for what it's worth, I'm obviously a homer and my vote would have gone to Miles Garrett. But uh, what was your take on this one? Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting split because obviously Aaron, Aaron Donald's been running wild this season, nine sacks and TJ's got seven and a pick. And honestly, I think Miles Garrett should be in the conversation as well, given that he, this is a crazy stat, he actually averages the most sacks per game out of any man at his position right now. Uh, but my actual um, my actual uh, vote would have gone for Buda Baker, personally. I think he's had a fantastic season. He has looked on fire. I know most people have only paid attention to him being tackled by DK Metcalf this season. Like one of the most high, highly memed moments of the season, especially after the election we just had. But uh, yeah, I think those those two are very very close in respects to how they've done. I mean, yes, TJ has two less sacks, but he also has an interception and, and that's where TJ really sets himself apart from a lot of guys on the edge because he's crazy athletic and he it's not just about his elite first step, which he actually reminds me of Von Miller coming off the edge. He can actually drop into coverage like Von Miller as well, which is, is, is very is very useful, especially for a Steelers defense. Um, yeah, if you had to make me pick between these two, probably say Aaron Donald just because he's more disruptive but but it's still a very very tough vote yeah I think it could go any way to be fair like I said in between those three I think Devin White's flashed at times he's, he's obviously very very good in the run game sort of not so good in the in the coverage game uh, but obviously it's the sacks and the splash plays that probably get people noticed which is obviously why we threw him into the poll um, but yeah, some really, really good defensive play on display so far. Next category we asked you about was your rookie of the season so far. We gave you the choices of Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, C.D. Lamb and Patrick Queen. Justin Herbert was the man that got most of the vote with 53%. Joe Burrow, 38%. 2% for C.D. Lamb, 8% for Patrick Queen. And Lawrence, we seem to talk about him every week. I think the only thing that's missing, let's be honest, is actually some wins because statistically, he if he was actually playing a 16-game season, I think he's on for something like pace of about 5,000 yards and 39 touchdowns or something crazy. So we're not just talking a fantastic rookie campaign. We're talking one, about, you know, one of the all-time great campaigns if he'd have actually started all 16 games. Yeah, but... <laughs> Ultimately, would you rather have Ryan Tannehill on the wins or um, Justin Herbert, the yards, and not the wins? And it, it kind of goes back to what Kieran says. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm totally with you, Kieran, about kind of loving defensive football. 
loving kind of grinding out games, winning by, you know, six field goals to four or something, you know, and I, I really do respect defensive football. And I think, you know, unfortunately for Justin Herbert and the Chargers, they haven't got the defensive horses. They've got, a, they've got some names, they've got some big names, but they haven't got that entire unit that, that makes them competitive. And it's all very well passing for loads of those yards. But if we probably did a bit of deeper analysis into them, how many of those yards have come that are meaningful and how many of those are playing catch up? So, you know, let's let's kind of let's calm down a little bit on on Justin Herbert. Yes, he could have he could be approaching, you know, he's he's he can quite easily, you know, go between four and five K this season as a rookie, which is absolutely hugely impressive. But without the wins, it kind of, you know, takes a bit of the the wind out the sails on that. So, you know, I'd I'd be looking, I I I want to show a bit of love to the receivers out there. It's it was a phenomenal receiver draft. And one of the receivers who didn't kind of get picked up very early, um, kind of fell past Henry Ruggs and fell past Jerry Judy, is um, Justin Jefferson. And I think Justin Jefferson is an absolute difference maker. And, you know, I know Kieran would know about him. I, I, I watch about one college game every year. And it happened to be the college game that I watched at the weekend happened to be one of the greatest college games ever, in, in my estimation. Um, but Justin Jefferson, I think we've got to give a lot of love to him. Kieran, you're you're, you know, feverishly nodding there. What what's your take from when you know Justin Jefferson came into the league? Did you think he would have this much impact this early on? I moved him down on my draft board because I knew I'd be accused of LSU bias. It's gonna happen. But he is out and out the best receiver from this draft class. No, no doubt about it. I don't care if you like Mapletron, if you like Chase Claypool, he is the best. There's, make no mistake about it. And do you know the scary part? Jamar Chase is 10 times better than him coming into the league next year. It's ridiculous. Justin Jefferson should be up there as rookie of the season, but it's always quarterbacks. It's always quarterbacks who win it. But even then, if you're going to put up rookie of the season, more LSU bias, uh, Joe Burrow should be up there because Joe Burrow is fantastic. Imagine getting sacked seven times in a game and, and still being able to place a ball perfectly nearly every single pass you make. Justin Herbert is fantastic, but he's got the benefit of an O-line and a ton of weapons. Justin Jefferson is catching passes from Kirk Bloody Cousins and Joe Burrow is playing out there with an O-line made out of old crackers being held together with tape. So judge, judge the player, not the team around them. Uh, very, very wise words. I think, yeah, Joe Burrow was second in the poll for what it's worth at 38%. Like you say, it will probably come down to a quarterback. Um, big shout out to Andy from the, the full 10 yards crew. He actually thinks that Tua should be in there for rookie of the season so far. There's a there's an optimistic Dolphins fan. Obviously more in jest than anything, Feathers. Shaking your head. Come on, come on Feathers. He's only, in, he's only saying it in jest. If you do like defensive football, Lawrence and, uh, and Kieran, look away now because we actually just picked the game of the season and we picked some high-scoring affairs to choose from. We had the Cowboys against the Falcons, which did win the vote with 56.5%. The Bucks Chargers got 6%. Chiefs Raiders, 25%. Bengals Browns, 13%. And look, if you're the casual fan watching... You know, you want to see a high-scoring affair, don't you? Let's be honest. You know, I I agree with you guys. I like to see defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, but you know, the casual fan is definitely going to want to see 
plenty of high scoring, um, and that's what obviously this game provided. Obviously remembered for the huge comeback for the watermelon on sidekick, um, and obviously at that stage, you know the Cowboys were relevant. You know, let's be honest, we thought that it could be a huge win that was going to then propel the Cowboys forward. Um, you know, I remember the podcast after that game. And, you know, Tim, you were cock-a-hoop. You thought it was going to be the thing that ultimately did turn the season around. Obviously, roll the clock forward five, six weeks, and we know exactly where we are. Um, but, yeah, I think that one is going to take some beating just for the, the drama, the, the sheer scale of the cock-up from the Falcons. Um, so, yeah, that one that one is the one that most fans picked in our poll. Just going back, fellas, uh, big shout-out to Ian, who's watching along on Facebook, and he actually thinks that our good friend Rodrigo Blankenship should be in there for Rookie of the Year, Lawrence. I think, you know, I can't disagree with that. Good old Rodrigo. We love a kicker, don't we, mate? And, yeah, Blankenship, what a, what a name. I still I still think the name is fantastic. And like you say, the glasses, just everything about him just oozes quality, doesn't it? Absolutely oozes quality. He's brilliant. Let's move He's on, brilliant. fellas. Let's move on. We've got two left, and we're all going to have a quick say on these before we close out the pod. MVP voting, the four people that we gave you the option of in the polls were Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Josh Allen. And the one that most of you voted for was Russell Wilson with 43.7% of the poll. Patrick Mahomes second at 25%, Josh Allen 21%, Aaron Rodgers 10%. We did also have a comment from somebody saying that Drew Brees should be considered uh, potentially. Um, I don't know necessarily about that. I think it might be actually more to do with the Saints as a Super Bowl contender. Uh, So we can talk about that in a short moment. But certainly, fellas, the three that lead the poll, um, or the four that we gave you in the poll, are the ones that lead it from a betting market perspective. Just very quickly, as we're approaching an hour and a half, Tim, just very quickly, who would your MVP be? Uh, Russell Wilson. Kieran, I'm guessing you're going to go Josh Allen? Yeah, got to be Josh Allen. And Lawrence? Alvin Kamara. Ooh, nice one. Bit of left field. Love it, mate. Love it. For what it's worth, I actually, I think I actually voted for Russell Wilson earlier, but the more I look at it statistically, Patrick Mahomes having a phenomenal year again. 25 touchdowns, just the one interception. It's almost going a little bit under the radar, um, probably because the Chiefs aren't necessarily blowing everybody away this year and they're involved in a few tight games. But, uh, yeah, some, some great play on display week in and week out. So, absolute pleasure to be able to see you. It leads us, fellas, on to our final question. And, of course, that's the all-important one. doesn't really matter how you start, it's how you finish. And we wanted to know who people thought would win the big dance at the end of the campaign. The four teams that we gave you were two from the AFC, two from the NFC. We gave you the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, and the Packers. And, fellas, it was an absolute landslide. The Chiefs got 69.9% of the vote. Steelers next best with 15%, the Packers 10%, and the Seahawks 5%. If we add in the fact that somebody commented, and like I say, it was a gif of um, Drew Brees, I assumed it may have been for the MVP chat, but let's also throw the Saints in there, particularly after that impressive performance last night. Again, just very quickly, come round you all just to get an answer from you and a little explanation as to why you're going that way. Tim, your Super Bowl winner, if you had to pick today. Yep, I I voted for the Chiefs on my, my account, best quarterback in the league, um, a decent enough defense, and uh, a good uh, good head coach. Kieran, Buffalo Bills. 
they beat the best team in the NFL this weekend. He's riding that horse until it comes over that finish line, isn't he, ladies and gents? And Lawrence? Devin Luck. Oh, the Baltimore Ravens jersey's out again. Is that a serious pick? Are you, are you really that confident? Yep, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, I, you just wait. I just can't you just wait. see it. Uh, look, they, they need to improve no end. I mean, you know, last year they were obviously very much in, in the conversation. This year they've, they've got so much improvement they need to make in the second half, but they certainly Looking could be capable. Way. Look at it this way. Play ugly football, win 75% of your games, and you've still got half a season to, you know, catch up, catch up the Steelers and take the division. And then it's time. It's time. So I'm deadly serious about that one. Well, I'm glad you are because we all know how good Lamar Jackson's been in the playoffs so far in his career, don't we, ladies and gents? So, you know, <laughs> maybe this is the year that he turns it round. My uh, my vote for what it's worth also went to the Chiefs. I just agree with everything that Tim said. I think best quarterback in the league, doing enough on defense. Um, you know, and ultimately when they've been involved in close games, more often than not, they've been able to find the answers. But uh, there'll be plenty uh, of uh, twists and turns along the way. We'll start talking about the playoffs more and more now as we're into the back end of the season. The games will start becoming a lot more meaningful. Uh, I was looking at the wildcard races earlier today as those graphics started to hit the screen. And, yeah, that's looking nice and tight and compact as you'd want it to be at this stage of the season. So some huge ding-dong games coming up in the second half of the campaign. As usual, we'll have you covered with everything across full 10 yards HQ. You'll have your regular Tuesday takeaways coming out tomorrow for a written look at the week that was week number nine. Myself and Tim will be back on all of the social channels on Thursday to do this week's edition of the full 10 questions. Talk about a season that someone's having seven and one, Mr. MVP. Tim. MVP. Well, exactly. Can't believe you didn't get a mention, mate. Absolutely star performer. So, yeah, who he's going to come and take on Tim this week. Uh, I think we've actually got a contestant for this week, but if you do want to get in the pipeline to come and take us on, please do so. Drop us a message and we'll get that sorted out. Plenty of content, of course, from the college chaps, all the divisions now up and running, um, and the plenty of good content winging your way each and every week. Same with the fantasy side of things. Obviously, that's getting towards the business end of the season as well now. Are you still competing or have you thrown it in for the campaign? Uh, but plenty of good fancy advice from the boys. Kieran, of course, will be back ahead of the weekend in his own little corner, reviewing a few of the games upcoming this weekend. As I said earlier, mate, please pick the Houston Texans because the Browns desperately need a win this weekend. And I think, fellas, that just about wraps us up. So, as I always do, I'll come round and just get any final closing comments on the evening. So, Tim, I'll start with you. Is um, That's Cowboys bye week yet. I think it is this week, mate. You can sit and you can, you can relax on Sunday night, mate, knowing that there are no more losses coming your way this weekend, mate. So, yeah, enjoy that one. Kieran, any closing remarks? Uh, Patrick Mahomes heats ketchup on his steak. He's never winning another Super Bowl. <laughs> as much as I agree with your earlier comment that Josh Allen will win one, I, I think it's fairly safe to say that Patrick Mahomes might win another one as well. Lawrence, At any remarks one. from you? At least one, possibly. Lawrence? Um, I just need Kieran to send me some genuine Mountain Dew because the British Mountain Dew is rubbish. I used to, <laughs> I used to love a good old American can of Mountain Dew. So, yeah, Mountain Dew. Love it. Love it. And, and my final remark, just to say, 
I'm hope that Calais Campbell gets well soon. Um, I don't know if you saw him when he got injured and you saw him sitting on the floor and his, his boots, he has mutant sized feet. So <laughs> I'll good luck to him, but he, they are the largest feet I've seen on an NFL field in my life. I just hope he gets well soon. So he can be yeah, back on those giant mutant feet. He's a mutant sized man, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, good luck to Calais Campbell battling back. Obviously, Kyle Allen as well. Um, yeah, well, we don't want to see anybody injured, do we? We certainly don't want injuries to be main headline. That's it for another week on the podcast. Thanks to everyone who has watched along live with us as usual. We will also be in your ears in your regular podcast platforms on Tuesday. So until next week, fellas, get ready to wave because, as always, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye bye for now. Oh, bye bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com